I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Treehouse, episode 13. Ride, Vaquero, ride. With Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. <laughs> um, very good morning to you, everybody. Here we go again with another two hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity. Pep uh, says often before the show while she's preparing her copious notes. Uh, what's this one called? And I take a moment reverie. A little longer this morning. I seem to shut down for a bit. Uh, and, uh, Not as much as you did when I offered you a cup of tea. It, it, I, I said, ride, Vakiro, ride, which is fine. Uh, but uh, I do know there's a certain portion of, uh, thankfully, ever-growing audience who look for clues during the show's why it is. Well, your guess is as good as ours. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we're a good deed in a wicked world here as we record this on the 21st of January uh, 2021, the day Queen Victoria passed away in 1901. Uh, and uh, sometimes I sit in my house and think, the night Queen Victoria died, or even Oscar Wilde, there were people ligging about my house. Lig- when was your house built? Uh, 1898. Was it really? Yes. I've got a good vision of it. Yes, I've yeah. got a good vision of it now. Uh, as was built the year Victoria came to the throne. Ah. I tell people it's Georgian, because technically it is. Shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so Victoria passed away today. Uh, do you know, you know the only thing we know about Queen Victoria? She was really short. She was very short, but her name wasn't Queen Victoria. No. Her name wasn't Victoria, no. Really? Her name was Alex, Alexandrina. Alexandrina. Everyone called her Drina until she became Queen. Her name, her name was Drina. Uh, I quite like that. It's Drina, yeah, with a little apostrophe for her. Alexandrina is her real name. Not Queen Victoria at all. Not even Queen. Well, she was Queen, but there wasn't, she wasn't baptised Queen Victoria. Uh, and, uh, uh, and as you say, she was short. And she popularised white weddings, because up till then you could wear anything you want uh, at a wedding. Oh, OK. And, and Christmas and, trees. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes. And she said, everyone, don't dress in white, because I'm going to. And it became the, oh. the fashion, my dear, of course. The fashion. Uh, even though she was a dreamer until she mm. was 18, because she became Queen at 18. Uh, she said one of the saddest things in, in, in all recorded history, it's only in her diaries. She, when Prince Albert died in 1861, she wrote in her diary, uh, Overnight, I lost my darling Albert. Alas, there is nobody to call me Vicky anymore. There is nobody to call me Vicky anymore. I know. Whatever you think oh. about Queen Victoria, and thumb your nose at the royalty. Oh. You got to, that, that's that's a that's a beautiful and heartfelt line. But we see we don't normally do things like that. I do apologise. Uh, we're uh, uh, more up than down. So let's look at something else. Shah Jahan. He passed Same away. To you. <laughs> 
1666, terrific year, my favourite year, if ever I got in a time... No, honestly, <laughs> it's a hell of a year. Well, it is, because if ever you get in a time machine and people say that, mm. where would you go back to? That's my number two. Number one, uh, a little street in London called Newport Court in 1972, full of second-hand shops. In 72, I used to spend any time You're and going money back into I your had. own lifetime? Yeah, because the records <laughs> I used to leave behind there are now worth, I'm not joking, bundles. <laughs> I would go back. You could see anything. <laughs> back, you go no. back into your own life to New, correct your Newport, own Newport Court, shopping errors. Newport Court, you? What about you? Oh, Regency London. Oh, would you? Oh, I love a bit of Georgette Hayer and a bit oh, of Austin yeah. and all of that. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you I mean... Where I would no doubt be, you know, the maid. You could visit... <laughs> uh, they film most of them up near where I am in Blackheath. Ooh. You cannot pass the, 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 the up there on Blackheath where they've got a Georgian Square, or certainly a semicircle. I'm always... Eight- Bonnets all around. I am eighty percent the sort of person that that would have had a themed wedding around. (laughs) I'm so close to being that person. I've got something for you on that in a second. Uh, Anyway, so the um, yeah, sixteen sixty six, sixteen sixty six. Uh, 1666, marked down from 1995. Uh, it's 1666, of course, the, the fire and the plague. Oh, you had okay. the fire, you had you had the fire, mm-hmm. and of course, you, you had oh, the plague. Peeps uh, and these big cheese. So you'd see both of those things happening all, all around you. If you went to, you know, just the... Um, uh, Yes, if you went to 1666, but equally, uh, Shah Jahan died. His wife was uh, Mumtaz Imahal. Okay. And when she died, he built her the Taj Mahal in her honour. Oh, the Taj Mahal? The Taj Mahal, plenty of. No. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, you could. Uh, There's some big gaps in my knowledge. Well, that's the Taj Mahal is dedicated to Shah Jahan's wife, Mumtaz Imahal. Uh, and equally, uh, Nostradamus said, and yay, in the 60s and 70s, Taj Mahal will make a series of really good. Blues and rock albums, and he did. Uh, but here's the thing I want to talk about. <laughs> we'll get the show. If you know, the show starts properly in a minute. Yeah. Oh. Oh. That's all right. No, that's all right. I've got other teeth. Uh, and the show starts properly in a minute. But uh, I've got to bring us this because it's Piper Laurie's birthday, right? Piper Laurie. I feel like I should know that name, well, but I don't know. It, it's one, one of the few shows that would celebrate Miss Laurie's uh, birth, and it, uh, Piper Laurie is. Uh, Actress, and until I looked up her CV today, I mean, I knew about Piper Laurie, don't get me wrong, don't look at me like that, I know who Piper Laurie is, but until I looked up her, uh, her CV today, I thought she was in Summer Holiday with Cliff Richard. I was sure that was Piper Laurie, turns out it's not. That was an uh, actress called Laurie Peters. I didn't oh, know. Oh, okay, well, yeah, understandable. So, uh, Summer Holiday also began its production today in 1963. Oh. I know, this sort of thing, when, when you do think the, uh, the gods are looking down on us. So, Summer Holiday began. Uh, today. Laurie Peters, not Piper Laurie, played the female interest in it. Mm. Who do you think they offered the part to first? Fact. Who do you think they what offered... What year we saying? 1963? The, in 1963, who did they offer the, pipe to, the, the, the part to first? Jane Asher. No, it's not Jane Asher. They offered it first to Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Barbara wow. Streisand was offered the role in Summer Holiday. But it's she was, quite hard to picture. It, 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 it is, but she was just on Cliff that cusp bats. where the agents must have got back and said, you know, Barbara, is, 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 it's just happening for her. We don't feel going over to make, one of, by the way, one of the greatest films ever made, even if you cut out all that Ron Moody stuff. Uh, and Barbara Streisand was offered the role. Isn't that nuts? Uh, it was the second high, uh, highest grossing film of the year. Number one, From Russia We Love. Two, Summer Holiday. Three, Tom Jones. One of the most aped films. You'd love that. It's all bonnets and... Uh, oh, okay. You know, it's a bodice river. Right. Uh, one of the bodice rivers. 
strippers. Uh, used to be a scene in that where they eat instead of having sex that was lampooned by every comedian. <laughs> great scene. And four is The Great Escape. Five, Jason and the Argonauts. We don't know we're born, as always say. We don't know we're born these days. What a year that was. Uh, and the only other thing we need to know about um, uh, uh, summer holiday, uh, dear Miss Peters, who went into it, not Piper Laurie, she couldn't sing. And so oh, she's, okay. she's dubbed, if everyone will, by Grazina Frome. Grazina Frame, and it's her birthday next week. That's I know, I know, I know. The, 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 the gods are good. The only other thing I can bring you is... Um, the first oil well was drilled by torpedoes today. Torpedoes? <laughs> you drill an oil well with torpedoes. By the way, Queen Victoria doing the white wedding dress. What was your wedding dress like? Uh, I, ivory. Was it? Yes. Um, uh, quite lacy, mm-hmm. with quite a low lacy back. Bespoke or you... No, no. Um, it bespoke in that I bought it and then my my mum, God bless her, remade it to fit me. Did she's, she? She's a very good seamstress well, good. my mum. Uh, uh, and you still have it, of course. Yes. Um, my mum had to carry it in her hand luggage because we got married in Italy. Yes, you did, didn't you? <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. And, did you, and did you change for the reception or did you parade I, around? I did because it was August in Rome. It was roasting. Mm. So by the evening I changed into a, quite a sort of 60s white shift dress. When we've done before, um, people who have chucked away things... Uh, the fellas, you know, this is going to end now, but even now, I said, oh, don't talk to me about chucking away things, which we may do on the next show. Uh, he said, we're clearing out our lofts. Because, you know, like they do, it's just full of, and he said, and there was all these bin liners, and I opened them, and they were just full of soft toys the kids had had when they were. Mm. So they all went, and everything else. Had a good clear out, and they did my job good. Uh, should have looked in all of those bin liners because oh. his wife's wedding dress, and it was a full on wedding dress, was in one of them. They went to the skip and everything, and they, and they went to the uh, landfill. No, he chucked his wife's wedding dress away. He thought oh. he thought it was just full of old puffer lumps. I, I did about a couple of years ago because we've been married five years. Congratulations. Um, I was at my parents alone and I went up into the spare room, and there was my wedding dress, and I thought, do you know what? <laughs> Like that episode of Friends, I just put it on and Did watched it. Of course you would. <laughs> Texted Simon. Evening in alone. Just <laughs> <laughs> wearing my wedding dress. Oh, Miss Habersham, how oh, wonderful. Yeah. No, of course you would. Um, no, no, I want to. He- best gown I'll ever own. I want to hear about wedding dresses as well. Another one. We write that down when I find mm. a dry leaf. Uh, it is uh, in the original Father of the Bribe, Spencer Tracy. Oh, yeah. When his daughter's getting married, he tries to put on the suit he got married in. And the <laughs> posture, the posture he assumed. The poster to he says, Hey, come in. Huh? Not bad, eh? Thirty years later, huh? And his wife says, Why are you standing like that? What do you mean? She goes, You know if that button gives way, it's gonna put somebody's eye out. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, welcome aboard everybody, uh, and and here we go on a morning um where we're uh, uh, trying to get things happening. What are we doing this morning, Peps? Uh, number one, getting someone's name wrong, or they yours. Mm-hmm. Number two, climbing over walls and fences. Number three, statements you made and were never allowed to forget. You've got something on that, Yes. <laughs> and number four, dropping things from a great height. OK, this is uh, from Pete. Uh, and this is um, a cramp-related story. We are the show that tries to raise awareness of two things, uh, chill brains and cramp. If you hear any extraneous noises this morning, the microphone is positioned odd and I keep hitting it. And yet, I am, I'm, it's a war of wills here. I'm not going to move it. Microphone, I'll knock you out of the way with one of these. But uh, here's a, a very good friend, uh, Pete, who tells us a cramp-related story. Perhaps before we hear your story of um, 
whatever it was. Here we go. Hearing a cramp story reminded me of something simple. This is, I'd love this. I'm going to have to put on some goofy music for this because this is, this is, this is something. Uh, let me find something very good and let's try this. Here we go. <clears throat> Hearing your cramp story reminded me of something similar when I went for a job interview in the early 1990s. It was my first interview and I was especially tense. We got to the end. I thought I'd done okay and they thanked me. I went to stand up. But one of my legs had completely gone to sleep. I mean, completely. I couldn't move it. They looked at me in a sort of, well, it's done. You can go now, old boy. And the next candidate was waiting to come in. But I had to sit there frantically, smiling, trying to get some feeling back in this leg. After a couple of minutes of awkwardness, I tried to stand up again. There was still not enough there to support me, so I just sat back down again. (laughs) I was there, I promise you, for fully five minutes, the longest five minutes of mine or anyone's life, whilst the panel shuffled their papers, mumbled amongst themselves. Eventually, I cleared my throat. throat) Good morning, I said, and I limped out with my head bowed. And you know what? I didn't get the job. <laughs> Your leg going to sleep. Oh. At night, you get that thing. I haven't had it for years. Well, you've been laying on your arm and it oh, flops. You ever yeah. had that? It flops into your face. <laughs> And then it's dead. <laughs> the beast with five fingers. So what is this? Uh, you, 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 oh, no, I... mine, it was It was just um, funny. I've talked about weddings. It was my husband and his best man or vice versa. I can't remember. We, they were going to get shoes for either mm-hmm. Andrew's wedding or our wedding at Blue Water. They're in the front. Of the, we're driving home afterwards on the M25. They're in the front. I'm in the back. And I'm idly looking out the window and I see the car in the next lane and to my eyes the driver is fast asleep head against the window and I'm going boys boys the driver's asleep the driver's asleep <laughs> my husband just turned around and went it's a left hand drive oh no did you <laughs> the pair of them have never let me forget that we are anywhere see any left hand driver the driver's asleep the driver's asleep <laughs> I was so shrill about it what I thought they could do I don't know when I was, I, uh, oh I'm going when, pop when I was very young and this is why I, I could not over sympathise with the series The Fugitive that used to be on. Mm. Yeah, it was a, a Quinn Martin production, as I remember, The Fugitive. And uh, in that, of course, he's wrongly charged with murder and goes after the one armed man, and it mm. was a lot of fun. Uh, well, uh, we uh, uh, had um, uh, a Sanyo portable radio in our house, it was a little Sanyo portable ra- uh, radio. Mm. My mum loved it. Now, I suspect it was my brother, but somebody dropped it and it smashed and then put it all back together again very gently. You know, the plastic, put it back together again. But the moment it was moved, it fell to bits. Mm. And my brother had said, have you seen the radio outside? And I said, well, he said, smashed the bits. He said, Mum says anything, right? So plainly it was moved. So I said, oh, all right. He said, we don't know who's done it. OK, my brother's much older than me. And eventually my mum came in and said, well, one of you little bleeders has smashed my radio outside. And I... In an, in an attempt to cover up my track, just went, oh, not our little Sanyo, right? <laughs> and that's how I said it. And she went, oh, it's you then. I said, no, no. She went, oh, not our little... And my brother had done it and my sister both killed themselves laughing. <laughs> After that, any time I was kind of suspected of him, they'll go, oh, not our little Sanyo. My sister did that... <laughs> In August. Last August was the last time she did it. She didn't believe me about saying it. said, oh, not our little Sanyo. It's been fully 50-odd years. Oh, not our little Sanyo. And I didn't do it. Nor did I make the big chip out the sink in the kitchen, by the way. Sorry, Peps. Uh, We'll give us something from over there. (laughs) 
This is um, Andrew, who's, of course, gone off topic. A tea-related injury. <laughs> I was holding a big mug of tea one day and tiredness overcame me. I stretched my arms up and out for a good old-fashioned cartoon yawn, poured the tea straight over my own head. <laughs> Does this fit any topic? <laughs> If it drops dominoes with everybody else, then I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'm, I'm slowly building up a, a library of usable music, and we are after It's Burning, and we are going to do the Sausage Sandwich game. This is only show 13. Yes! Uh, people are confusing all the other stuff we used to do. There's some uh, people only just finding us. Uh, there's, um, uh, hopefully, uh, there's a piece of music I've found, and it's not, but we've got to find a subject to, to fit this. Uh, it's a piece of drunk music. It's perfect drunk music, but you get drunk phone calls, and they're usually like... This, of, of a similar stripe. Hmm. Uh, a subject we're going to do... I've said three now and I can't remember the other two anymore. Uh, a subject we've got to do is not your usual stories of being drunk. Okay. Now, you've got a really good drunk story, but not the usual, you know, mess. Because I've got some terrific drunk... Listen to, listen to this. Does this. Why does that not surprise Does this not... Does this not... In, in old sketches and stuff, This is you can just tell. This is drunk music, ain't it? Ready? Listen. Not started quite yet. One minute. Turn this up, Josh. Now. You walk out the pub. Fine. Fine. The driver's asleep. The driver's asleep. <laughs> Listen to that. That was me last Friday. <laughs> Trying to put your key in the lock. That is great drunk music, ain't it? Uh, anyway, uh, give us something. That's another pep. occasion often for, for good shushing as well. Yeah. Drunk. Oh, the shushing music and the drunk music. When we can play two things at once, we're really being clover. Uh, um, just, go on, what you got? Have we got Sharon on the line? If, hey, if we we, hey Sharon. Good morning. Good morning to you, Sharon. I can't tell you how pleased I am you joined us. Of course, it's my sister's name. I was just talking about my sister, if you'd have uh, uh, hung around with us then. So, Sharon, what have, oh. you got, what have you got for us? So, uh, I was going to recall a story of um, wrestling sheep into cars. Hang on, one, one second. Oh, oh, one second. Did you say wrestling sheep into cars? Yes. You said wrestling <laughs> sheep into cars. I might change the music here. OK. <clears throat> Uh, uh, <laughs> Were you tripping on Hunstanton Beach? <laughs> Let, live up to that wonderful headline, please. <laughs> tripping, uh, tripping, pushing sheep into cars. Go on, my friend. So this uh, story is, sort of comes around sort of back in the 80s, sort of 1984. Mm-hmm. And so I lived uh, in a small holding out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of Scotland. Mm-hmm. That's where my my family home is. Wow, OK. And uh, so I was on a YTS scheme uh, working on a, a local farm up on the hills. Mm-hmm. And very often uh, car, uh, sheep used to get transported on the big lorries where there was like several layers uh-huh. of sheep mm-hmm. and, you know, massive lorries. Mm-hmm. And uh, this particular day, one of the sheep managed to wriggle free out from the top of the lorry and fell out, literally fell off the back of the lorry. Oh, ride, Vakiro, ride. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. So I saw this sheep and, of course, I was a bit concerned about it mm. and 
it was just, you know, wandering around on the side of the road. Mm. So I came back to my dad and said, look, Dad, there's a sheep wandering around. It's fallen off the back of a lorry. (laughs) He says, come on, lass, let's go and get it. So he drove back to the side of the road to go and pick up the sheep. Eventually caught the thing, because they they do put up a good fight, you know. I'll bet. What do you want to go back into captivity for? It's not Babe. That film, (laughs) you know that film, Babe? I thought it was based on a real life... No, it isn't. It isn't. (laughs) Bar-ram you. So there it is. You've caught up with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we we eventually caught this uh, sheep, you know, checked it over. And uh, my dad is very old-fashioned, traditional kind of guy as well. You know, uh, he used to be a shepherd. Wow. I've never spoke to... I promise you, no inference, but I've never spoke to anybody who uh, knew a shepherd. I'm a real shepherd. He stood out there possibly with a crook, did the whole thing. Oh, absolutely. Oh, how lovely. How lovely. Yeah, the flat cap, the deer stalker, the lot. You know, but... Sorry, to apologise, Sharon. In the the 60s and 70s, if you didn't want to go to work, and that was the big thing, there was so much work around, actually being unemployed was an option, and everyone kind of Mm. took summers up and that. And you go down the labour exchange, and they'd say, what kind of work are you looking for? And I lived in Bermondsey in south-east London, and... I promise you, you say, Shepherd, you know, and no, we can't help you this week. So, uh, the, 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 so you're after uh, the, the sheep and you caught up with it, yes? Yeah, so we bundled it into the back of the car mm-hmm. and we brought it home. And like I said, we have a very small hold in here, so we didn't have any animals at the time. But so we, we rescued the sheep, brought it home, and but this used to happen fairly frequently. Mm-hmm. And um, after a while, um, my dad ended up with a flock eventually after buying lambs from local farms and, and adding to the stock, but he ended up with a flock of 40 sheep in the end. Did he? From this one, from this one incident? That's, that was, that's where it all started. Mm-hmm. Of course, he absolutely loved looking after them and, mm-hmm. we'd, you know, they'd have their own lambs. But we also had uh, two goats and we used to use the goats to give milk to the lambs. Now, the, the thing about goats, and I, don't know, I need to hear about how you squash the sheep into a car in a moment, uh, but they, they have they have diamond-shaped irises in their eyes, and, that, that, and that's why people think they're the devil. I think it needs a bit more than right. that. But, the, but they look at you with wild surmise, don't they, goats? Did you, did, yeah. did you get on with them, or did you find, you know, you, you couldn't bend over at any point? Because they, 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 no. they, they rush for you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do. But, Depends whether you upset them or not, really, doesn't it? No, it, uh, I found it, the availability of butter is what really <laughs> looks makes what makes a goat uh, start start its run up. I've been butted twice by a goat. Uh, both times, I, my name was called, so I straightened up. But I think, uh, like in a cartoon, had they connected with me, I would have gone flying into the middle of next week. Did you <laughs> did you actually push a, a sheep into the car? Yeah, we had to. We had. We both had to struggle to get it in. And of course, just as you get it in one side, it tries to get out the other. <laughs> <laughs> and you just get behind it and shove, do you? No, we had to literally lift it yeah. in the end. Yeah, because yeah. they do wriggle. They do wriggle. And, yes, uh, they do. Yeah. Yeah, they but do. But of course, uh, you know, unfortunately, none of them were ever injured as well, which was well, amazing. That's a good, and, 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 and the great thing is, lovely life he had after he beautiful fell off life. He did. It's a. Uh, you yeah. know why he. Objecting getting in the car. Yeah, yeah. We're burying my dad tomorrow, actually. Oh, oh. my dear friend. It's very good of you to come forward and uh, we'll celebrate him because the old man, I'm sure, is saying, tell him that story. And I appreciate you doing yeah. that. And God love you, yeah. Sharon. And, and thank you for calling us. Thank you for being available because we call you back. Thank you very much indeed. 
If uh, ever you want to be called back, we do have a telephone number. Josh, here we go. If you wish to telephone the show, please call the exchange on this number. You'd look to uh, 725-05686, my dear. Oh, look to uh, 725-05686. Give us a call. Yes, you can leave a message there and we'll call you back. How about this, Peps? This is uh, from a... Well, a long-time correspondent by the sound of it. Oh, it's Helen. I do apologise. It's Helen up here. I thought this was from Andy, but this is from Helen. Uh, listening to you this morning, I noticed you mentioned the Sandwich Islands. Yes, we did. Mm. We often celebrate the Sandwich Islands. My ears pricked up as the 17th of January is Possession Day of South Georgia and South Sandwich Island. They're a different set of islands to Hawaii, but they're, they're out there. My interest was piqued. As you may remember, my father is the man who flies the different flags in his garden. I called your old show last year when you were asking for parents with unusual hobbies. Yes. Did you remember this? Yeah. Yes. I said, well, he's got a hobby. He likes to fly a different flag in the garden every mm. day, uh, depending on what anniversary it is. You know, some people way ahead, aren't they? I've now set up a separate Instagram account for him, at flag underscore watch, so people can see his flags. And yesterday, he sent me a picture of the South Georgia and South Sandwich Islands flag to post. The South Georgia and South Sandwich Islands flag only came to our attention because I was trying to find if there were any flags that had penguins on. <laughs> for your information, there are two of them. The one above and the flag of the British Antarctic Territory. Has a flag with a penguin on. This is, you know, people these days like to think this is a grim old world squeezing Whoa. the life out of all of us, and there's something for that. But when you read stuff like this, you realise <laughs> people out there are having a, a, a tremendous time. Uh, as you may remember, uh, he tends to fly each flag on each country's national day. With these, he was struggling to work out what the correct day to fly them would be and ended up emailing the Foreign Office to ask them. He got a very nice response from the Polar Regions Unit and they set out the correct day to fly these flags. OK, I'm being And that shown. is his flag in uh, his garden. Wow. I've just looked up that Instagram account. That's today's, is it? That's the penguin flag. Wow, well, you know, as I say, we try to look up, not down, and with the help of people like Helen, it's easy. Uh, they set out the correct days to fly the flags. I like to think that the Polar Regions Unit is a little office on an ice shelf. A civil servant sits at a desk waiting, hoping, praying for an email. The only company they have are the penguins. When my dad got in touch, I imagined the laptop pinged. And he said, an email, an email, another human to talk to. And they're beautiful. And well, beautifully written. Thank I think you, Helen's Helen. a sap for that. Uh, uh, the best flag in the world I think we discussed on there is uh, Brazil's. Mm. It's got that planet with all the stars yeah. around it and it's yellow and blue and stuff. Uh, but I may have mentioned that um, the flag of... Uh, what's the country you fly over that nobody lives in? And it's not... Oh, Greenland, that's it. The country you fly over. <laughs> well, let me put it another way. The country you fly over if you only ever go to America like I do. Uh, so uh, Greenland's flag. Uh, wow. Check it out, Greenland's flag. It's um, uh, there's a couple of flags that are not square. See if Helen's dad's put it up yet. Well, no, they're, not, they're, not, they're, they're not independent, are they? They're technically Denmark, but they've got their own flag, and it's like an optical illusion. It's a red and white circle in the middle of a red on the red and white background, and it kind of does oh, your eyes. Oh, it's very um, 60s. Shall I say, let's have a look. Greenland's flag. A hell of a flag. Oh, what a flag that is. It's That's like an lovely. independent record label, isn't it? <laughs> Give us something from over there. Peps, what do you got? Um, prizes you won but didn't want. This is from Rob. <laughs> 
I'll take you back to December 2004. 25-year-old me entered the office Christmas raffle, hoping to win one of the many bottles of wine or boxes of chocolates. There was, of course, what I viewed as the booby prize lurking amongst them, a hand-knitted snowman. Anything but that, I was thinking. Well, you guessed it, I won the knitted snowman. <laughs> My response was to laugh, followed by a comment along the lines of, what a woman, something like this, look at this, load of rubbish. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Very soon after, a colleague grabbed me and quietly informed me another member of the team had knitted it. Yeah. yeah. Feeling guilty about my reaction, I tried to save the situation by loudly saying, oh, it's growing on me, <laughs> and such like, but I think the damage was done. Fast forward to Christmas Day 2018, my son Joe's first Christmas. My parents came for lunch, and on answering the door, I was greeted by my mum saying, look what I found, thought Joe would like this, waving the knitted snowman. I cast my mind back oh. all those years and remembered my awful reaction to winning it and how I must have upset the poor lady who'd knitted it. She'd actually retired, but I knew someone oh. who saw her. So I took a photo, had a photo taken of me with Joe and the snowman and asked it to be forwarded to the colleague. She did respond with, he kept it. How lovely. Oh, that's a feel-good story. I have finally made amends. That is beautiful. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, any, anything... We don't sappy stories, obviously. <laughs> We're not here, you know, to be a... What was that, what was that magazine that... Um, people of a certain disposition and age. Was it the good friend? The people's friend. The people's friend. Mm. People's friend. That's a pure... I think it's still going. I think we don't want people's friend uh, stories, but uh, anything where you had uh, a nice closure on something after a long time. Uh, this is this is from Mike, and it's about the only autograph you ever got. Uh, it, this is a beaut. In relation to your subject a little while ago, there's no, there's no time on the internet. No time, you know, on the, you didn't listen to all of these, I hope. Uh, a little while back, the only autograph you ever got. I hope this fits the category. 1978, I started going to Leeds University and was able to see proper bands for the first time. The first gig I ever saw was the Ramones, which isn't a bad start. That was the year that Stiff Records did their Be Stiff tour by train. And that included, it was something that wasn't a tremendous success, but. An excuse to play yeah, this. Uh, Jonah Louis, Reckless Eric, Rachel Sweet, amongst others, all went around the country by train. Yes, they did. Stiff Records, they didn't have two apenists to rub together, commandeered a train to take all their bands around the country. Oh. After a weekend at home, I got back to Leeds Railway Station to find an abnormal group of people milling about. I wandered over to see what was going on, and a scary-looking goth lady leaned out of the train window and beckoned me over. On approaching, I realised that this was the stiff tour package, and the woman was none other than Lena Lovitch. Now, Lena Lovitch, I don't remember she did that song, My Lucky Number's One. It's, it's, she was very... She literally is the prototype... Susie Sue looked like a, a oh, dusty okay. sprinkle compared mm. to Lena Lovitch. Uh, lots of those gloves with the fingers sticking through. She popularised all that, the sticky-out black skirt, the whole thing, standing on one leg like Jethro Tull. Uh, anyway, it was Lena Lovitch. She was having a degree of chart success at the time. She beckoned me over, as I say, and when I got there, she said, ''Would you like my autograph?'' Despite never having previously got, previously got anyone else's autograph, I said, yes, please. She asked me what I had to write it on. All I could offer her was my train ticket. She took it and duly obliged. Best wishes, Lena Lovitch. I thanked her. Then I walked over to the barrier, where I had to hand over my train ticket, and with it, the one and only autograph <laughs> I ever got. <laughs> this could also be things that only lasted five minutes. How about that? Well, Do you want my autograph? No-one's asked. <laughs>
you, Don't be would afraid. You, would you I like one? I could see you walking out of the station thinking, well, I haven't got the nerve. Come here. Lena Lovitch, if you don't mind. Uh, you know, she made a couple of pretty pretty good albums. She was no Rachel Sweet, <laughs> but uh, Lena Lovitch asked him, would you like my autograph? Same from there, Peps. This is from Mike. Getting in for free. Gillingham Watford, 1968. My first <laughs> visit to Gillingham, age 15. Yeah. I used my dad's train season ticket, brackets illegal, mm-hmm. to get me from Bletchley to London Bridge. Then a platform ticket to get me onto the main line where I got on the train, brackets illegal, in the hope that I had avo- that I would avoid a ticket inspector, which I did. Got off at Gillingham and just went with the crowd past the ticket collector, brackets illegal. I then got to the ground just after kickoff to realise I had 6D less than I knew, or 6P, less than I needed to get in. I hung around outside the turnstile behind the main stand for 15 minutes until the guy was just about to cash up and leave. He took pity on me and told me to go through and keep quiet and not give him any money. I saw us win 5-0 all the goals in the second <laughs> half and bought a, and finally did the right thing by buying a ticket, bracket child fare, illegal at my age, back to London Bridge with my admission money. <laughs> How many times the word illegal used in that, that two-paragraph email? Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Who sent us that? That was Mike Schofield. Hey, everyone. If, uh, it's competition time. If you've not heard the show before, we, uh, we have quite a few competitions. Uh, you can have to ring in and leave an answer if you, if you want to. And it's, it's, it's a revival. I mean, the sausage sandwich game, yeah. Uh, I've, I've come up with quite a few things mm. uh, gained over the years for shows, but this one was always my favourite. And I haven't done this for ten years or more. And it's uh, our old friend, who is this falling downstairs? <laughs> now, there are the, the clues are all there in the rest of the programme, if you want to get in touch. The prize will... See, we, we may do... Uh, the thing with podcasts... Uh, People do live versions of them. I think I'd, I'd hate that. Okay. I mean, we'll do it. <laughs> Let's get ourselves some tickets. We're not doing it yet. And for, we've done just 13 shows. Uh, uh, what, but, you mean in front of an audience? That sort of... Well, that, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm out on the road with Whispering Bob You're Harris right. very soon. Hopefully in a town, town near you. Harrisonbaker.com. Some seats are still available. Not at the Shepherd's Bush Empire, though, I don't think. Anyway, uh, so we're going out with Bob. But we're, we're you know, uh, Napoleon Pepper. Is it Pe- Pepper Napoleon, isn't it? Mm, yeah. We, we go out, out on the road. We can do this live. So the clues are all there if you want to hear it. This is... A little competition. Who is this? And it's someone who, who the clues would all have been there so far. Who's this falling downstairs? I'll bring it to you again. Uh, so you're going to turn it right up there, Josh. Here we go. Who is this falling downstairs? Rough guess there, Peps. Would you, would you hazard a guess at that? Queen Victoria. It wouldn't have been. That's too easy. That would have been too easy. But it is somebody who has been in the show thus far. Uh, you can ring up that number I gave earlier. I see I didn't really plan on doing this, you can tell, and leave who you think someone who kind of got mentioned on the show earlier on. This is from uh, our friend Nick, who works at Onomatopoeia Records. Oh. Onomatopoeia Records, yeah. Uh, says, uh, there is no story as such. <laughs> Someone's taking the time on about the pure records. I'm saying they're not EMI, they're not Warner Brothers. It's not busy, busy, busy. I think I'll get in touch with the treehouse and start off by saying there's no story here as such. But I've found a restaurant with the least menu items. But it's good in a good way. Whilst on honeymoon in Japan, in Kyoto, 
we sought out a restaurant with only one item on the menu. Yunagi Aka Teriyaki Eel. That's what it does. Yunagi Aka Teriyaki Eel. With or without rice is the only choice you have to make. You either have it with rice or without. That's it. That's their menu. It is delicious beyond words. If you hadn't had it, you'll love it. There are a few places, I believe, in London that do a good one, but they've sold out. They've got more than one item on their menu. A restaurant that just does one... Well, Wasn't it Japan where they had the Led Zeppelin uh, restaurant as well that only yes, sold did. one thing? Yes, they I did. I feel where we should be going for the live shows. <laughs> <laughs> just putting it out there. I, I, see, I, I'm, not, I'm not tremendous with... Uh, with the uh, uh, Japanese food. But it's an eel. You love exactly. an eel. Exactly. You well, love you see, an eel. You see, our friend here is overlooking uh, uh, certainly proletarian culture. Pie and mash up, sell pie and mash. <laughs> uh, yes, they can do eels. They yes, they can. So fewer and fewer are doing it now. Uh, but our friend says, Unagi akateriyaki eel. See, I only like an eel to be stewed, and that's that. I like, of course, they're jellied, but I like the stewed eel. And I might go over to uh, Kyoto, open oh, that yeah. next door to us, and drive him out a bit. <laughs> Suddenly the Japanese say, oh, this, is, this has got the, the whiff of the streets about it. What you got there, Pebs? Well, while we're on limited menus, we've got Susan on the line. Hey, Susan. Hello, Dan. Thank you so much, Susan, because the process is an odd one. You get in touch and Phil uh, looks through and, and calls people and says, can we talk to you on you know Tuesday or Friday mornings? And people are good enough to be there for us, and Susan's one of them. Hey, Susan, what do you want to tug our coat about? Um, well, it's limited menus and Cuba. Ah. It seems to be a lot of stories about this. Yeah, it, it, it is. We, uh, for, for people who have uh, just joined us, um, well, it, might, it won't make any sense anyway. So, limited menus and Cuba, Susan, what about them? Well, I went to Cuba on an organised tour over a decade ago. Uh-huh. And the first night we stayed in a hotel, which had been a sort of old colonial mansion. It wasn't like a modern hotel at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the evening, there were probably about six of us, and we were ushered into this small dining room. Mm-hmm. And what I remember was that there was a round table in the middle, and it was completely empty. There was nothing on it at all. No cutlery, no table settings, mm-hmm. no placemats, and no menus. <laughs> Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And we sat there sort of awkwardly for, for a while. And just, just, walked... just, just, just one second, Susan. So you saw yes. this table without anything on it and chose that as the one you're going to sit down at? Well, we had no choice. It oh, I see. Table. Oh, OK, <laughs> I've got you now. I've got you now. Just the last table remaining. Go on, then. Yeah, so we, we sat there and, and then in walked a number of waiters, sort of one per person, uh-huh. each carrying a plate, which they put down in front of us. Now, what was on that plate was a lobster mm-hmm. cut in mm. half lengthways and the implements required to eat it, you know, the things you use to, to crack, crack, the, the, um, crack the shell. Yeah. Now, obviously we sort of looked at this. We hadn't ordered anything, hadn't seen a menu. And yeah. one of the parties sort of said, well, is there anything else? <laughs> and no, no, there's nothing. Obviously, they look really quite shocked. That yeah. anyone should suggest this. So, um, anyway, what uh, we, the, the waitress then stood back but stayed in the room uh-huh. and sort of looking quite morose as we touched, tucked into this sort of rather tasteless, rubbery offering. Oh, it was no good because oh, I'm, no. I'm thinking at the moment, you know, you're being rather grand. I'd love to sit no, down. No, no, no. And, and they serve lobster. Mm-hmm. It had obviously been frozen for some time yeah. and it was just really not great. <laughs> um, anyway, sort of ate some of it and then we had some sort of fruit for 
pudding or something. And then afterwards we went to the bar and had lots of mojitos so we could forget about it. Hang on, so that was it? That wasn't your starter? That was literally it? (laughs) Yes, that was it. There was nothing else. No, we had no choice. That was just Lucky to get it, I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh So you had had your mojitos. uh, uh, Mm -hmm. See, getting food in Cuba, I understand, is is hit and miss. Mm. Uh, was, uh, and you'd, you'd had lobster, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's safe from my point of view. I'm, I'm looking askance. You can keep your teriyaki eel we were just talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. th- was it expensive and did anyone get ill? Well, no. It, we'll, we'll move on slightly from here because um, we went on this tour around the island and mm-hmm. over a period of days, the, the guide, who was a, a very lovely girl, was telling us all about Cuba, etc. Yeah. And we got to a point when she actually said... Well, Cuba, though it's an island, doesn't have a fishing fleet. And I couldn't resist, of course, saying, yes, but you have lobsters. Yeah. And uh, she, <laughs> went on to, she went on to say that, well, yes, but, you know, you can put lobster pots down with a, with a rowing boat. You, know, mm-hmm. no, you don't need a fishing fleet. But, she went on to say, it's illegal for any Cuban to eat a lobster. No. As they all have to, any court, have to go to the hotel for the tourist industry. And she went on to say that even having a lobster in your fridge or freezer would lead to you being jailed. (laughs) They're way ahead over there. (laughs) So I suddenly realised why these waiters from our first night had all looked so, you know, very hangdog that we were turning up our noses at this rather rubbery lobster. Yeah, because they could have got arrested for eating it. Yes. Now, uh, uh, this, uh, I, I mean, uh, of course the story is true, but it does sound like they're just playing a prank on me. They're, uh, they're all in on the gag. It sounds like they're all in on... Anyone asks, we got rid of all that manky lobster we had on the tourists. Anyone asks, we can't eat it. That's why they have to have it. What, what do, you, do you think this is um, dear old Castro saying it represented the, you know, imperialist forces who were there? Because that, obviously, is top of the shop for us. Did you ever get to the bottom of how this wonderful law, and I love lobster, but I do like crackpot laws... Uh, <laughs> how this wonderful law came to be. Absolutely no idea. I mean, maybe since Fidel has passed on, maybe they've repealed it, but certainly I said this was well over a decade ago. And um, But we only had that one lobster. I mean, I was there about 10 days, uh-huh. and we were never offered another lobster, so I just wanted to say ration one lobster per tourist per visit. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I would happily eat lobster from the moment I landed until the time I went. And not only that, I'd do it uh, in the faces of the staff. Mmm, <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. This is beautiful. Uh, absolutely. God bless capitalism. Look at the, look at the meat in that claw. Mm. <laughs> well, bless you. Thank you so much, Susan. That's the, that's the kind of thing we want. Well-travelled stuff. And I stuff. didn't get food poisoning. Well, there you are. It was wow. double bonus. It was my first thought, I must say. <laughs> It would take powerful machinery to stop me getting those nutcrackers and setting about a lobster, well, which, in, as we know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's easy to get heroin in, in, in certain parts of Cuba than it is to get brea crustacean. I didn't know. I'd never heard of that. Have you, Peps? No, not at all. No, uh, but the, the concept... And we've had many correspondents on Cuba. None of, us, none of them had told us about the old lobster story. No, I, uh, uh, I love the... I mean, Susan sounds trustworthy. <laughs> Oh, they all sound it. They're calling from rubber bedrooms while wearing straight jackets, but nevertheless, <laughs> uh, give us something over there, Peps. This is from Heather. 
uh, Hi Candyman and Pepper Napoleon. Uh, many years ago, my friend and I went to a local nightclub we hadn't been to for a while, room at the top in Ilford. Oh, of course. We thought we'd have a bit of fun and pretended we were French. Whilst paying to get in, we pretended <laughs> she covers off accents and what uh, someone else thinks of you and wrong names all in one email here. <laughs> We pretended we didn't understand the money. So the door staff helped us and obviously thinking by shouting we would understand said, we're very happy to have European friends here. We kept up the pretense all night, halfway through the evening being chatted up by two young men. We babbled away in French sounding twaddle, answering the odd question they asked in very broken English. As they thought we didn't understand anything they were saying, they spent the next hour or so discussing parts of our anatomy, oh, our clothes, oh, I did. I and what so... may happen if we oh. went home with them. Mm. At the evening, just before the dreaded slow dance, this puts it in a certain amount of time, yeah. my friend and I gave each other an nod and said in our finest Essex voices, all right, lads, thanks for the drinks, we're off. The look on their faces were perfect. One last thing. In my last job, we all had to wear a name badge, and despite mine saying Heather, which is my name, a gentleman colleague, colleague, colleague called me Mary for the entire two years that I worked there. This, this uh, uh, I've got a couple of three. Again, uh, I say it every show, but this is not just chin music. We're way behind with the emails, but uh, <laughs> it, it's almost like a... Yeah, I know, we've got... St- the, the printer ran out of paper earlier, <laughs> but we are going to get it out of them. And as uh, I say, this is just show 13. Mm, uh, mm. But by any year's time, you'll hear your email come up, and won't that be a day? <laughs> That's why we keep people listening. I love this. Uh, this is a shushing story, or it's a variation on the shushing, being shushing or being shushed. <clears throat> As you know, this is our shush music. When Peps and I raid country houses or get locked in museums, we look around and go, Peps, over here. Shh, Peps, would you come back? Peps, come, you come over, Peps. Wait, watch out. That's that's the idea of the thing, you see. Uh, But this shushing story is uh, from Brian. This is Brian, and it's a a variation on shush, but I I love this story. Here we go. Here we go. Back in the 90s, myself and my friend Tony went to see Bob Dylan at the Brixton Academy. Around halfway through the gig, he played a few songs with just him and an acoustic guitar. See, that's how you want to see Dylan. Uh, anyway, see, I was nearly told my Dylan story there, and when we mentioned him the other week, but I've got to save it for me and Bob Harris on the road. Oh yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, do. the audience will sing it's along. It's wasted on me. Who uh, goes? Mm, no, no, about no, Bob no, Dylan. no, 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 no. Know me and my. Not this story. Not this story, Peps. Not this story. I promise you. Uh, anyway, so Bob is there, just uh, blowing in the wind with his Ooh. acoustic guitar. During this time, there were two people talking rather loudly in front of Tony and myself. They wouldn't shut up. <gasps> in the quietest part of the set. Suddenly, an arm appeared between us both and tapped the two people on the shoulder. They turned around, looked between us, and we heard a voice rather angrily say, Bob! (laughs) The two loud-speaking people from then on were silent. There are many ways to be told to shush, but this is the far best I have witnessed. A finger pointed to the stage as they looked round and just went, Bob! (laughs) Okay, now you would, wouldn't you? Bob! I'm sorry, mate. You know, exactly. Where did you go? When I, but the uh, my, my, yeah, my Dylan story, and not only that. Uh, oh, there's another one with Richard Branson. Uh, told to shush. <laughs> Write it down. Uh, I'll see you on the road with that one. How are we doing on time? We out of time now. We're done. Oh well, no, yes. waving, cut, pulling the index finger across yeah. the throat is probably a, a good way to tell us to belt up. Uh, so if we have just one couple of jingles to finish with, we'll have. 
Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show, radiating out across the airwaves. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two? Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession on the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. Always do, Wisby. That's been uh, Louise Pepper on the other side of the table co-hosting the show out there. has been uh, Josh and Phil Walding, and thank you to everybody here at Something Else for giving us uh, this platform. Just show 13, everybody. Always try to, the great Wisby who provides the music. But as always, we'll see you next time because it's chiefly yourselves. time wedding dress tales not your usual drunk story forgeries and family traits you've inherited Bob. planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.